starting out thinking about manufacturing, it was, uh, I was at a point where I just had my first child. At that time, I was, I had a different mindset. My life was completely different, somewhat destructive at that point. Me coming into work every day and I had to find a different way to start thinking, right? When I started doing that, I started reading different books, uh, just started looking at a lot of people that were successful uh, inside the company. I started looking at myself and wanted to come up and, and be something different and do something different. Hello, everyone. I'm Barbara Humpton, CEO of Siemens USA, and thanks for listening to The Optimistic Outlook. You might notice that we've had a bit of a manufacturing theme lately. A couple episodes ago, I spoke with Brian Neff, the CEO of Centavia, to help us learn about a future with additive manufacturing. And I last talked to Carolyn Lee, who helped us better understand the workforce challenges facing manufacturing today, which has more than 800,000 open jobs nationwide. So today I'm joined by a colleague of my own, Corey Scales, to share with us his own experience of how he built a career in manufacturing. We recently featured Corey in our Where the Jobs Are campaign, which is informing people about the more than 2,000 job openings Siemens has across the U.S. We'll link to that in our show notes. And I'm eager for you to hear about Corey's experience. He's a focused factory manager at our Siemens Smart Infrastructure Manufacturing Plant in Grand Prairie, Texas, where the team fabricates critical hardware for the power industry. I've met Corey on the floor at Grand Prairie, and I'm delighted to be talking to him now. Let's get into the discussion. Take a listen. Corey Scales, welcome to the podcast. It's great to see you again. Nice to see you too as well. Corey, in our last episode, I had on Carolyn Lee with the Manufacturing Institute to help us understand why there are more than 800,000 jobs available in manufacturing today. Some see this as just economic data, but what I've been thinking about is that these are more than 800,000 opportunities to start a good-paying, purpose-driven career. And that touches on what I'd like to explore with you today. But let me start a little differently by asking you this. What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, growing up, uh, I want to be two different things, right? So one, I want to deal with anything that touched electronics. I was always taking things apart, uh, trying to put it back together before my mom found out I got in trouble for it. <laughs> so that was one of my one of my things, one of my passions. And I always wanted to get into the music industry. That's fascinating because there are so many of us who dreamed of doing one thing and have ended up in a different place. And today, right now, manufacturing has a perception challenge. We have a lot of people retiring out of the field and young people perhaps aren't as interested in pursuing the careers at what point did you start to think about manufacturing, Corey? And and what was your life like at the time? So starting out thinking about manufacturing, it was, uh, I was at a point where I just had my first child. So I was looking for a job that would pay uh, some good money. And I was already working at one place and heard about Siemens. So this was really like my first manufacturing job that I've been in. At that time, I was... I had a different mindset, so uh, my life was completely different, somewhat destructive at that point. But like I said, I had a child and needed to, needed a way to make money and have a better income, and Siemens was the place for me. So let's then fast forward, because it's been 25 years, 
And now I'm speaking to someone who entered into manufacturing with little experience, but now you're in a leadership role, managing a team of more than a hundred workers. How did you do it? What was the path? Like I said, it started out on the shop floor, uh, found a way to add value, learned how to do more things than just what I was uh, paid to do at the time, learned how to work different machines. Uh, like I said, I was a fast learner, so I tried to pick up as many things as possible. Uh, found my way into a manufacturing role when they started introducing uh, uh, ME, ME Tech roles here at Siemens Grand Prairie. Uh, once I got into there, added value into that field, that, that area, and then moved on to become a supervisor. And, and now I'm focused factory manager. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the actual training you went through. Were you actually taught hands-on by just going into a new area of the factory and, and learning the skills? Or did you actually have any formal coursework? So as far as uh, learning the machines, it was basically just going to other operators, asking them, hey, what do you do? <laughs> Uh, moving into the manufacturing area, I had uh, manufacturing engineer area. I had no experience, uh, learned it as I went along, uh, Google, uh, put myself back into school, got a little uh, education through classes and everything like that. Siemens put on a lean program at that time, and I went to the lean program that they had and learned a lot through the lean program. So, and then just a couple of mentors throughout the way uh, here at Siemens helped me out. Yeah, the lean program, that's related to total quality management, the idea of being able to eliminate defects and streamline processes. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. Uh, green belt, black belt, did you achieve any belts? So I, I do have a black belt in Six Sigma. Uh, right now, I'm working on my uh, project management uh, profession. So um, we just did some training on that. Uh, actually got my whole team trained up on it. And we all looking forward to taking the test and seeing where it goes from there. Well, that actually brings me to my next question that I have for you. And thinking about the ways your own experience show us how to open up more pathways into manufacturing, I'd love to know how you've applied your own experience to mentoring and managing others on the team. So a lot of people feel like they don't receive the opportunity or don't know how to go about uh, getting the opportunity in front of them. So I use my past experience. Uh, a lot of people are able to see that I came from the floor and moved up. So it makes them more comfortable to come and ask me, what did you do to get there? And so I, I tell everybody, find a way to add value instead of just coming to work, receiving a paycheck. You got to add value. They pay you to come in and add value to your work every day. It's not just to come in here and do a job. So that, uh, me just going through what I went through as far as the ME roles and the supervisor roles and, and everything else, then I'm able to go back and, and share some of those experiences with them and then tell them, hey, look, this is the course you want to take. Uh, talk to your supervisor, tell them that you want to try to, uh, you know, exceed in this and, and do something different. And so I'm able to talk to them like that. They see me as a person from the floor. So it's easier for them to come and talk to instead of just uh, management all the time. It's great advice. I mean, I think we find people around us all the time who are waiting to be asked. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there's a lot of opportunity out there if we just look for it ourselves. And right. it sounds like that's the advice you're giving people is to get engaged. And, and that's good advice. I'm curious whether you've seen much um, movement then, career development for the people you've been mentoring and advising this way. 
Actually, I have uh, a few people that I've uh, mentored that have become supervisors now. Uh, so they're moving up, uh, coming from the floor, uh, closing area and assembly, uh, fabrication uh, workers, uh, moved a couple of them up to ME tech spots. Uh, a couple of them just went out for supervisor roles and seeing if they can, if they got them yet. I, uh, I think that actually comes out next week for them. So we'll see where it goes for these uh, next guys. And that's exciting. And Corey, what you're living out are the values at Siemens. And and one of these in particular is the one we refer to as growth mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea that curiosity and initiative are really the key traits helping us innovate for customers. And a point I'd like to make is that, yeah, you know, maybe it sounds buzzwordy, you know, corporate. But this is really essential for us at this moment we're in. We've experienced a pandemic that has challenged us in so many ways. And we also have technological transformation, say the investments in robotics right there at your factory. And th- these things are just redefining skills as we speak. How different is manufacturing today, culturally, and in terms of technology, compared to when you were starting your career? So starting out, uh, we just had the basic machines, right? Mm-hmm. And now that we introduced robots, you had a lot of people on the floor getting nervous and scared, thinking if you got a robot, then you're going to reduce your, your head count, right? But instead of doing that, what we've done here at Grand Prairie is, is took that and took the robots and then took them out and got them training for it. So now they have a new skill set to add. No matter where they go, now they say there's no robotics. So they also know programming now. So we taught them how to program these robotics, uh, the robots that we have on the floor. So we what didn't have to get rid of anyone. We just repurposed their job. So now they have different skill sets that they can utilize wherever they go and inside the building as well and continue to grow that way. That's really inspiring. And I mean, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is given that we've got 800,000 open jobs in manufacturing across the country, how much more could we be doing if more of our uh, manufacturers were using the automation available to us today. I mean, it's exciting to think about how people can grow in their careers and make the factory more productive. What are some important actions that you think manufacturing leaders should take to address the talent shortage we now face? As far as addressing the talent shortage that we have, uh, I think we need to get out to the schools, uh, to the colleges, uh, to the high schools uh, and speak to some of these, you know, the ones that's coming up in this generation. I know it, I think it was around 2017, 2018, we brought a few kids in here from Kappa Camp. Uh, I think you were here at one point and spoke to them as well uh, around that time. But so we brought in a couple of kids, we showed them around, you know, just to see what the aspirations were, what did they think about being in here and stuff. And they found some of the parts that we had as far as the, uh, the automation on on our ERPs and everything, but the with some of the machines, the way that they move, they found it interesting. And so we took them, had a little conversation with them to see exactly how they feel about it and just to gauge them where they were at and just show them the possibilities of some of the things that they can do besides the sports and everything else that they're taught and they've seen, you know, in high school, you know, play football, play basketball. Some some kids don't know about the manufacturing side. So when you bring them into a facility like this and you start showing them, hey, this is another possibility. This is something that you can actually get into. Then it opens up the eyes to a lot of different things. You know, it's fantastic. And yes, I did have the privilege of visiting Kappa Camp. And 
seeing a whole summer's worth of kids who are being exposed to things like programming and technology and the opportunity to have mentors working with them. I, I mean, it's just a phenomenal program. In fact, we'll link to Kappa Camp in our show notes. Corey, now that you are yourself a leader in the manufacturing environment, I have to believe people approach you all the time asking about opportunities. What advice do you give to people who might be interested in a manufacturing career, but just aren't sure how to get started? So normally I tell them to go fill out an application for it. They're already doing one thing by asking, asking for an opportunity. So you have to put yourself in a position to actually go and get it. So the best thing to do is start looking at some places, uh, do your research on them, uh, Google, uh, whatever company that you're looking for, uh, find a passion in whatever you're trying to do. And manufacturing, you have so many different things in manufacturing. It's not just building something or, or running one particular machine because most manufacturers, like we do, we have different machines to run, right? So you have robotics and everything else. It's just what you what what do you like in that field? Do you like the engineering part of it? Do you like the manufacturing part of it? Do you like the assembly part of it? What's your passion about it? Tell me how your own purpose ties into your manufacturing career and, and how can you see people finding their purpose in manufacturing? With my purpose, I was more about changing my mindset, uh, changing just changing me, period. Is, is what I started finding. Uh, so me coming into work every day and just the way, that, the way that everything was going for me in my life, I had to find a different way to start thinking, right? So when I started doing that, I started reading different books, uh, just started looking at a lot of people that were successful uh, inside the company and outside the company, uh, you know, just different programs and everything like that. I started looking at myself and wanted to come up and, and be something different and do something different, right? So uh, as far as my purpose, I had to try to find a way to move, I would say out of the mindset that I was in to a better mindset, something that can help me grow. And so I started trying to figure out how can I do that? How do I add that value? How do I keep moving myself up? And, and how can I get around those that can help me move up? And when you start talking to other people about the same thing about, you know, getting away from the negative mindset, getting away from those people that's trying to hold you back because here that culture is, is prevalent. Right. So you're going to always have someone tell you the office job is not for you, man. Don't try to do that. That's evil. <laughs> or you have you have other people in your ear trying to just hold you back, period, because they were scared to go for that. So their insecurities is what's holding them back and they try to push that on you. Uh, they tried to do that to me a couple of times as well, but it was it's a cycle that you have to try to break out of, and and that that was what I was trying to do. So knowing that I had a family to try to take care of, and and me, I, I like trying to progress in everything that I do. And when I was able to move from the floor to an ME spot, then it became a, okay. Well, what else could I do? They allowed me to move up to here. They they seen what I was able to do from that point. Can I do something different? And then I became a supervisor. It's like, okay, so let me see if I can take it a little bit further now. And now I'm in the role that I'm in now. And at this role, I'm able to mentor different uh, in a different capacity than what I was as a supervisor. As a supervisor, I can reach people at a certain type of level, uh, just the people that's working for me, right? And you know, coming off of the floor, some people look at you as the enemy. Some people look at you, okay, that's my new boss, right? So 
but when you're in a management point, uh, a management position, then now you have this other level that you can reach people at. So now I can reach the whole entire building of, of people that want to actually try to do something that is probably scared to uh, ask for advice or because of whatever they have that's in their life right now or the person that's behind them trying to hold them back. So I'm able to give that mentor that mentorship that way. If everybody had the kind of initiative that you have, I mean, literally just applying at the place that you had an interest in, and then making sure that you were constantly engaged in important work, finding new ways you could help to add value. And then lo and behold, you're a natural leader. And here you are in a leadership position. And I just couldn't be more proud that I get to work with you. But uh, Corey, there's one way I like to end all of these discussions, and that is dreaming about the future. If we could have success with the things you've been talking about, if we could get people to, you know, take this initiative and actually reach and get engaged in manufacturing, if we could be building this 21st century workforce with both the manufacturing skills as well as the programming skills, how do you envision this will positively impact our future? Economic growth. So technology is advancing every day. But you got to look at who's building it. Like right now, you have the generation that's being raised off of iPhones, off of iPads, smartphones, or anything like that. And these, uh, the gamers and everything, if you brought that technology into a manufacturing facility, imagine the possibilities of that creativity and everything else that they can bring forward, the growth that it'll grow, that it'll help with. just bringing that inside of a system like uh, Siemens, right? And right now, we're doing digital. So we're trying to go more digital with everything that we're doing. We actually have groups for that now. So if we were able to bring in those, that type of generation into this right now and then use that skill set that they have and just the creativity behind it, it'll help us grow. I couldn't agree with you more, Corey. This uh, it really embracing the technologies that are going to carry us into this future, bringing that into the manufacturing environment is actually going to drive the economic growth for this next decade. Thank you so much for being my guest today, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for having me. Corey Scales, what an incredible leader. I, I just, I'm buzzing with the ideas that he's shared with us today. I mean, think about the whole concept of bringing robotics in and not replacing people, but actually actually making them more effective, teaching them new skills and, and having the whole operation elevated. I had a chance to go to Grand Prairie after the team had been implementing some of these changes. And it wasn't just the efficiency of the factory that had improved. It was actually a safer place. People were spending less time on repetitive jobs and and spending more time with their heads. (laughs) Uh, And uh, so safer, higher quality, more productive. These have been tremendous benefits that have been achieved and, and under Corey's leadership. But, you know, there's one other concept here. I was just blown away by this comment about purpose. You see, sometimes it's enough to have the purpose be achieving your own goals for yourself. You know, Corey is an avid reader. And one of the things he's read while taking breaks in the manufacturing floor is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Does that give you a clue into how purpose-driven he himself is? 
listen, go over to the show notes. We have lots of things to share with you there. Pointers to the blog, notes about manufacturing, and some details about CappaCamp and other things you've heard about during this conversation. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or to the Siemens YouTube channel. And for show notes and more, go to Siemens.com slash optimist.